goes on and says in the New American Standard Version, says, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand or in advance so that we would walk in them. Isn't that awesome? Amen. There's another passage uh, or in another version I want to read that. But before I read that, I just want you to look around. I know that yesterday I did uh, the keble wedding, so I know where the keebles are at today. But uh, if, if you are recognizing someone that's missing, I know like Mary is uh, sick today and we want to pray for her. Um, I guess I should identify, right? Mary Bakers. We got a bunch of Marys, a bunch of Kathys. We got a bunch of Joshes, you know, who have to identify. But uh, Mary Baker's out sick today. But if you can just recognize uh, a couple of people around where you normally sit and see that they're not here today, uh, would you um, maybe make a note of that and text them today or call them today and let them know that you miss them and that uh, it, you, know, you never know. How many, how many enjoy getting a call when, when you've been out and you're not feeling well or, and somebody actually recognizes it, right? Yeah. So if you don't mind, you know, it's hard for me to, to capture. I, you know, you guys move around. Jay and Amber have moved around on me. They were sitting right here. And, and so you guys move around sometimes. And so I, I might miss, but you kind of know who sits around you. So if you don't mind making a note of that and after service just text and say hey missed you ephesians chapter 2 and 10 in the new living translation says it this way it says for we are god's masterpiece for we are god's masterpiece he has created us anew in christ jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago god we are god's masterpiece isn't that awesome think about that we're the workmanship of his hands. He, we're the tapestry that he was weaving together, that he was putting together. We are his workmanship. Amazing. You know, uh, years ago, many years ago, when I was a teenager, my parents uh, took me to uh, a European tour. And we went uh, to England, to Germany, to France, to Switzerland, to Austria, to Belgium. And we enjoyed all of the culture that was presented to us and you know the things that really stuck out stuck out to me was the fact we went when we were in germany we did a tour of all the castles and man that's amazing we went to the Schweinstein castle which was the castle that um that yeah i wasn't cussing i was just talking about the name of the castle um anyway that walt disney's made from you know what i'm saying and we went to one of several of the louis castles and I was like in awe of this enormous structures and to think that these structures were over a thousand years old and, and, and just overwhelmed by how precise and how beautiful and how intact they were kept. And it was like, wow, what masterpieces, right? We went, uh, my parents took me to Paris and we went to the Louvre and we went in and saw all these beautiful paintings and 
you know, security was so tight because they didn't want anybody to touch these paintings. As a matter of fact, there was a, a sign that says no camera or no flash pictures could be taken. And so, you know, we walked around and see all, saw all these beautiful uh, paintings. And at one point, we came to this one crowded area. And there was people all around. And, and I'm thinking, what's behind that case? And, and with my little self, I shoved and elbowed and got up front, and, and there was the Mona Lisa. I'm like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At, at 13 years old, I really didn't care. He just thought, wow, <laughs> masterpiece. I'm thinking, would that even be considered a masterpiece today? I mean, if somebody was to go and paint something similar to that today, we're like, okay. What third grader did that? Okay, just kidding. Okay, my wife, give me the look. I'm sorry. Fourth grader, my bad. I mean, but I look at today the artifacts that we would call masterpieces, and I stand scratching my head at the junk that people put together and weld them and, I mean, literally junk that people put together and, and make these statues and formations and people are standing and all thinking, wow, what a masterpiece. And I'm thinking, wow, what a hunk of junk. <laughs> I don't know whether to say, yes, you recycled, or I don't know. And then there's these paintings that people purchase for millions of dollars that look like a kindergarten class grabbed paint and they threw it at the wall. And it's a masterpiece. Only because of the name that painted it, it becomes a masterpiece. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but aren't you glad to know that the Lord has said you are his masterpiece? You are the workmanship of his hands. To think of how glorious that, that seems and how glorious that is. You know, right now, we're, uh, men, we're doing a study on Sunday nights. Goliath must fall. And so we're talking about David and the Goliath a little bit in that book. And, and it's a totally different perspective. If you've uh, jumped ahead of us and you're reading, it's a totally different perspective than what we uh, that when we think of when preaching about David and Goliath, but when I thought about uh, David and Goliath, I also thought about uh, the, the big statues that were made, and to think of Michelangelo's sculpture that was made out of marble that, that stands like seven or nine foot tall or something like that, and, and it's in Florence, right, Julie? Is that right? You remember, you're, you're an artist, right? You got that. In Florence, Italy. And, and, and when I thought about that statue, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit something that we can't really show on the, on the screen in the church, okay? Because, you know, it's, uh, when he created that imagery, he created it with the raw idea that when the Word of God literally said, David was only with his sling and a few stones, that's the way he made it. You know what I mean? He forgot the girdle. But to think about that sculpture and how precise and how uh, proportionate that it is, it's amazing and, and how that has stood the test of time because he started that in 1501, right? 
and it actually stood in the middle of the streets in the center of the city for over 300 years before it was actually moved into the academy of, of Italy. And so there it stands today. And to think that someone else literally started that 50 years before Michelangelo ever, ever put a chisel to the stone. And not only that, that in the process of, of before Michelangelo ever put a chisel on the stone, somebody else even went in behind and started the process too. But each of those people looked at the stone, and as they began to chisel, they said, this stone is too flawed for us to bring about a masterpiece. Well, when I think about what Michelangelo said, Someone, when somebody asked him the process, he said, I believe the masterpiece is already within the stone. I have to remove the excess stone so that the masterpiece could escape. Wow, right? I mean, Michelangelo, he, 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 didn't, see, he didn't see that piece of rock or piece of stone for what it was, but he saw it for what it could be. Come on, somebody, Right? Masterpiece inside, ready to come out, ready to be discovered. It's kind of like a, a construction worker. They, they walk up to a pile of uh, lumber and all of the elements, and, and I'm thinking, well, there's a pile of lumber. And what they see is they say, oh, a house being built or an addition being added, right? It's kind of like a, a real estate broker who walks up to a, a house that's been dilapidated, and all, they, and all I would see is, oh, my goodness, there's a money pit, right? And, and they look at this house and say, wow, this could be worth millions of dollars if it was restored in a, a certain way into its original form. And I'm thinking, wow, right? It's kind of like an author who, who walks up to a pen and piece of paper. When I walk up to a pen and piece of paper, I see, screw, I see scrutiny, I see anguish and heartache because I hate writing. And they look at this piece of paper and they look at this pen and think, wow, an opportunity to create something masterful. Whether it be a song or a poem or whatever that might be. And they, and they write so eloquently and I'm in awe and in jealousy of all their beautiful ways of describing the glory of that event or that thing. A masterpiece just waiting to happen, Right? And so when I see this, Ephesians chapter 2 and 10, and it says, For we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but that just encourages me. That just lifts my spirits to say, Son, daughter, I'm not finished with you. You're a work in progress. You're a plan that I have thought of. I've got something for you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You don't have to wonder. I'm on your side. Amen. To think that God works with an idea, right? To think that God would look at you and look at me and, and he would say, look, what you see is more is not what I see because there's more to the plan, right? Look, I, when I look in the mirror, <clears throat> I don't see a masterpiece. No comment. I mean, I see all of the flaws, and the older I get, the more those flaws become evident. I posted a picture, uh, not an anniversary picture, but a picture that a friend sent me of me and Kim 25 years ago. 
And I looked at that, I'm like, wow, she hasn't changed a bit. And Dale, I look at that picture, and I'm like, man, he had so much hair. <laughs> and it was nice and dark brown and looked so healthy. Where did it go? Right here. <laughs> Not only do when I look at myself, do I see the flaws on the physical outside, but I know who I am. I know the I know the things or the bad decisions that I've made in life. I know the hardships I've been through. I know all about me. I know that I'm not perfect. And so I recognize that how can I be a masterpiece? How can God work with this old lump of clay and make anything that's adorable or anything that's masterful or anything that is good? How many feel that way sometimes? For we have a God that sees more in us than oftentimes we see in ourselves. And the great thing is, is he's willing to take a chisel and chip off some old things if we'll let him. Amen? Amen. Some people in their desire to see the masterpiece overlook the other statues that line the, the hallway. And when I, when I say that is, is when you walk into uh, where the statue of David is, is positioned there are all types of stones and pieces of marble that line the hallway as you make your way to see this magnificent work of art. And, and, and what you see is, is that there are pieces that are unfinished, pieces that are there. There may be a hand you might see coming out of a stone of an unfinished work or a leg or a face or an arm. And, and a lot of times we... We see these little things not realizing that a masterpiece was just left unfinished. Just like the, the statue of David, just like that, that was left for 50 years, these pieces have been straggling and left behind unfinished works, sitting on the sidelines, waiting for another master to come in and chisel just a little bit more. And I believe there's some of us who sit in this room today that are masterpiece sitting on the side of the room, waiting for God to come back and do a work, waiting for God to chisel out what, is, what needs to be uh, chiseled away so the masterpiece can shine. Amen. Those other statues have reached a place that they are paralyzed in their state. They're no longer being worked on. They are stuck in the present state. Michelangelo was asked how he viewed the unfinished works, and he said that he views them as like captives, like petrified prisoners. Mm. I'm going to preach a little bit, Jeff. <laughs> you might see forms come into view you might see shapes come into view you might see images come into view so so he began to chisel away and he felt that he was setting the captive free that's something that's something that is in here something that no one else sees some image that 
that no one else has looked at. All they have seen is a stone. All they've seen is a piece of, of rock. But there's an image here. And, and I'm so glad that when God looks at me, just like when he said, Peter, and you are Peter, you are a piece of rock. God just didn't just look at me as a piece of rock, but he said, there's something that needs to be hewn out of you. There's something that needs to be shaped out of you. And I'm working to prepare you to be the masterpiece that I have created. Amen. Amen. I mean, think about it. Masterpiece is the captive being set free. Jesus declared when he read out of Isaiah chapter 62, there in Luke 4 and 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He came to set the captive free. Amen? That's all right. Come on. That's all right. Give God praise. Amen. Amen. If we're honest, if every one of us in this room were honest with ourselves, there are things that we have been captive in. There are things that have happened in our life. It may be present or may even be the fact that we have gotten so accustomed to being captive that we don't even recognize we're captive any longer. We've gotten comfortable with an arm frozen or, or a face or image being there. And all along, if we're honest, we all have something that we have been captive in in some area of our life. Some of us feel captive because of habits or habitual sins, whether that be a relationship or a secret or something debilitating that we have been afraid to tell anybody else about because of, of, of what other people might think about us. Maybe it's the fact that we have an addiction and, and the fact is, as you know, you have a purpose and you finally get to that place and you finally are, are breaking through and all of a sudden, bam, once again, you're captive and dragged back down by a one event or a one word that was spoken or one image that was saw. And all of a sudden you're oppressed and down and in the dirt once again. Bitterness, generational captivity by attitudes, dreams that seem not to take shape. Whatever it is that captivates us, whatever it is that holds us back, it could be anxiety that we have been walking around in because of words that have been spoken over us and we we don't feel worthy and so therefore anytime an opportunity comes we're like I, I don't know if I can because I'm afraid of stepping out maybe it's guilt because we know what we did in the past and how could a gracious loving God forgive what I have done and all the time, the enemy is just slapping us over the head with everything that we have done in the past. And, and, and we forget the fact that we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Insecurity, lies, and false expectations. How many know that a, that a lot of church people have false expectations even for themselves? Because we, we set these rules and regulations up that not even God himself has set up for us because traditionally this is the way it has to be. you got to look this way. you got to act this way. This is how it's supposed to be. All along, not recognizing that we've been set free from the bondage of the law. We walk in the grace of God. It is only by the grace of God that we can live and breathe and have our very being. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here. Wow. 
And because of that, we're, we're, we're like that stone sitting there that Michelangelo walked up to and, and he looks at and we're, we're petrified masterpieces. We're petrified prisoners waiting for somebody to come and chisel and knock off the, bro, knock off the pieces so that we could once again or, or be vibrant and glorious as God intended us for, to be. Jesus had a mandate, right? That mandate was to set the captives free. We have friends, we have family, we have loved ones. We have those around us that, that God's still working on. And the world is, and the church, let's, just, let's move past the world. The church is judging them in the sense that uh, they keep saying they want to do this, but they're still stuck. And too many times religion kicks people down and all of a sudden, if we'd recognize that our job is not to kick down, but to lift up. Our job is to encourage. It says, and encourage one another even so much more as you see the day approaching. What is encouragement? Encouragement is to say, look, don't give up. Look, don't stop. God's still working on you. You don't have to let this be the final moment. You don't have to let this be the final blow. If you'll just let the chisel hit you just a little bit more, God will chisel out something that might just be an imagery of his, of his presence and his glory. Just let God finish his work. Yes. Yes. The thing is, is we get so focused on what I want to do. We get focused on where I want to go. I got my bucket list. I got to go here. I got to do this. I'm not trying to downplay your bucket list. We, we get in our mind of what we want to be, right? You know, you ask a, a kid. I love, I love asking kids what they want to do when they grow up. And, and you know, I want to be this or I want to be that. And I, I remember in Honduras, I was sitting in a, a, a church doing a children's ministry event. And, and I asked this little 10-year-old boy. I said, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because I just love the intrigue of hearing what kids have to say. And this is what his profound word that blew me away said. He says, well, man makes plans, but God's the Lord of them all. I said, son, you got it. <laughs> you want to preach tonight? <laughs> Because God is. He's the one who makes, he's the one who arranges us. He's the one who fulfills us. He's the one that works through us, right? Because we get so caught up in what we want to be, where we want to go, what we want to do, and we miss the fact that God's not concerned with where you want to go. He's not concerned with what you want to do. He's concerned with what you are becoming. What you are becoming. Who you're becoming. Are you coming, are you coming out? Uh, cap, out of captivity or are you becoming more captive what does that look like to be set free well to me to be set free is you know someone who is generous someone who's kind someone who's loving someone who's patient I can go through you know the fruits of the spirit that's someone who seems to me who looks to be free because they're just not bound by the outward extremities of this world. They're not bound by the pressures. They just know who they are and they're set free to be who they want to be. Amen. And then I think of those who are bound, those who are captive. 
They're hateful, they're bitter, they're mean, they're easily offended, they're lustful, they're depressed. All of those things, all of those struggles, they're continually overwhelmed with life. Who are you becoming? Are you becoming more like Jesus or less? Those who are becoming less, how does that happen? How does, how does moving away from the imagery of God happen? And in reality, when I think about that, it's, it's, it's this idea that there's a form of godliness. Because all the elements are there, all the pieces are there, all of the things that are needed. Because God says, I have given you everything you need for righteousness and godliness. So all the pieces are there. Everything that's needed is there. But we've denied the power of the chisel. It's all there, but we've, we've not let God be, keep on working on us. We've not let God chisel the rough edges off. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I, I love the way uh, Michael said the other day. He says, it's not necessary because metal doesn't sharpen metal. It is a battle. It's a warfare. It's a fight. And it's not always easy because there might be some chipping of the blades. There might be some... Uh, moments that are uncomfortable when we allow the, the master chisel to keep on chipping at us, but the idea is that he's still working on me. Amen. <laughs> the thing is, is that so many are going through the motions and for what they perceive to be spiritual and what they perceive to be Christian experiences and they think that they have, are going to be more loving person because they feel more righteous in their, in their own life. But what they have become is more cynical, more dogmatic, less forgiving, less accepting and, and are ready to point out what is wrong with everyone else instead of allowing themselves to look introspectively at what's wrong with them. Look, you could, you could end up lining the halls, being an unfinished work, petrified prisoners, people walking by you, not even looking at you, thinking that, thinking that, well, that's an unfinished work, just to see the masterpiece, just to see the finished product, just to see the imagery that God has performed. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be partially complete. Amen? I don't want to be half-baked. I don't want to be half-done. I want to be all the way what God wants me to be. I want him to keep on working, Ron. I don't want to be, I don't want to be stopped. Just because life circumstances have happened doesn't mean my life has stopped. Just because it hasn't turned out the way that I thought it should turn out doesn't mean that God's finished. I've got to keep on letting him work. I've got to keep on letting him operate. Keep on letting him do his thing in my life. Amen. 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 And the, the fact is, is God's not going to give up on you. But too many times we give up on God. He's ready, he's working, he's operating. Will we continue to be yielded and submitted to the master's chisel? Are we, are we allowing, are we focused on what we're doing and where we're going, but, with it, but, but everything that we're becoming is secondary to what, we really, what God really wants? 
Look, this is not a self-help message. Matt, I say Mark Batterson, he says self-help is a is self-help is a rented is self-help is a rented tuxedo. Right? I mean, look, we can read all the manuals. There's so many Christian writers today who've got these one, two, three steps. If you can do this and this and this, then you will draw near to Jesus. There's so many self-helps. But self-help is based on my ability to accomplish the self-help. Sammy, I can read all the documentation on how to put together a motor. And I would be multiple screws left over. And probably when I crank it up, Libby, the rod would shoot out the side because I didn't know what in the world I was doing. I don't have the giftings. Look, I can read. Look, I love college football. I can tell you most of the operations and the plays and how it should operate and how they should do it. But you put this scrawny little 100 and something pound person on the field and I would become squash meat. Because I'm not built for that. I'm not capable. I don't have the giftings. So self-help doesn't help me if I don't have the talents and gifts to accomplish the self-help. But what we need is self-discovery. Because self-discovery is self-awareness. It, it helps me identify who I am. What motivates me? What is it that, that turns my key? What is it that pushes my button? What is it that makes me smile? What is it that energizes me? That when, when I get up in the morning, it makes me happy. What is that? Because when we identify and we understand who we are, it changes everything. Come on, somebody. None of us are gifted enough to do what God wants us to do without the help of the Holy Spirit creating in us, changing us, working in us, and helping us to discover who and what we are. Amen. The thing is, is we need to understand or we need to grab a hold at the front end. Who am I? Who, who, who am I? At younger ages, I could tell you who I wanted to be. I could tell you who I thought I might become or who I thought God had in store for me. And as I get older, the, the ideas later on, we get to this, at the back end of the thing, we start wondering, who was I meant to become? And some of us are in that stage of life of, who was I meant to be? Is this all that there is or is there more? Is this all that I'm supposed to be? Is there something else? Is there something more seasoned, something else out there? There are those who are starting the process who for whatever reason have disconnected from God. They've, they don't like the pain of the chisel or they become afraid of who they will become. They lose faith in the process. And just like that statue that stood there for 50 years, they're stuck in the mud. But let me tell you something. You don't have to be stuck. Because when Michelangelo, when the hand of God begins to work, it only took four years for a 50-year project to be done, when the master gets a hold of you, he can do it like that. He can change it like a moment. He can speak it, and it has to happen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, the thing is, is it hasn't been so long since we yielded to God. It hasn't been so long since we 
for, forgot the dream or we laid down the, the process. I mean, think about Abraham. At the moment, God gave him a dream. He, he, he gave him a dream that your generation will be as the, the sand of the sea or the stars of the sky. And the thing is, is that that process took so long that he got discouraged. And, and even when the, the final moment come, he said, I'm too old. And here his wife began to laugh when she said, what, me? Have a child at 90 years old? You're crazy. Hey, with God, nothing's impossible, right? (laughs) But God fulfilled his plan. And God can, can, can fulfill his plan in you even when it doesn't look like it can happen. Thank you, Josh, for picking that song. Even when, it, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops working. Amen. I learned that it is never too late to be who you might have been. We just have to stop making excuses. Well, I would if, if I would have made this much money. I would if I would have got this job. I would if I would have married that person. I would. What? Quit making excuses. Look, yes, we might have made some wrong choices along the way, but that doesn't stop the plan of God. God can still work. God can still work, yes. Amen. I mean, there's no one that can do what you do. God created you. you we have to stop and let God be God. I mean, look, look put, put your hands in front of your face. and Look at them. I mean, think about this. No one has those fingerprints that you have. No one can get into your iPhone but you. I mean, that's how uniquely God created you. That's how intricate God made you, that the very fingerprints that you have are unique to you. Amen? To think that the retina that you have, nobody can make it, nobody can do what you do because that retina. I like NCIS, you know, when they go up to the MTAC room, right? And they put their face to the scanner. Right? (laughs) Door open. Nobody can do that. You are unique. And you're saying, well, there's somebody else can do my job. There's somebody else that can fulfill that role. No. Only you. God made you special. God made you, you. You are the workmanship of his hands. Not somebody else. Yes, they are, but they're not you. Nobody can be who you are. You know, I was talking to Mary Hedrick, and, and we need to continue praying for her. She lost her twin sister this past week. And she said that for years that, that she literally, her mother would put a ribbon on her of one color and a ribbon on her sister as another color. Her mother did it. And she said that they would fool everybody. She said she'd walk up into stores and, and restaurants, and somebody would grab her up, and they would hug her. And she's like, who are you? But even as identical twins, 
There's differences. Because no one is made just like somebody else. You might think you have a doppelganger, but they're not like you. <laughs> yeah, you better, somebody better come play. I still got five pages to go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeremiah was called of God to declare to Israel to repent and allow God to make them a masterpiece that he wanted to make them. But you know, Jeremiah, I mean, how many know have heard the story of Jeremiah? Jeremiah was like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm too young. God, I'm, I'm not your man. I, I, I don't come from the right lineage. I don't have all the giftings. I, I'm, who am I that I could do this work? And God looked at Jeremiah and he, he said, look, you're, you're the, the workmanship of my hands. He says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Come on, somebody. You might think that you're a mistake. You might think that you're nobody. You might think that you have nothing. But let me tell you something. Even before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye, God had a plan for you. He knew who you were. He knew what you would be. He knew the struggles that you would have. But he didn't stop loving you. He said, you are my masterpiece. Yes. Yes. Even Jeremiah later on was thrown into a cistern. He began to proclaim what God said, proclaim, and they threw him in a cistern, left him to die. And finally somebody come and dug him out of the cistern. And they basically said, hey, you be quiet. Did you learn your lesson? He said, it's like a fire. Shut up in my bones. And I'm weary of holding you back. Look, there's something inside of you that's been weary. There's something inside of you that's burning. Because there's a masterpiece that God has planned in you. And though you've been cast away, you've been shoved in a closet, you've been pushed in the corner, you've been told to be quiet, you're like blind Bartimaeus, and you're saying, Son of David, have mercy on me! Just because he's blind doesn't mean he doesn't know that God's in the house. I believe, I believe his blindness helped him to have more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit than our openness. And God, if we're blind, then God, let us be sensitive to the presence and power of God in this house to let you do your work. I don't want to be an unfinished work. I don't want to be an unfinished church. I don't want to be an unfinished congregation. And I don't want you to be lining the halls unfinished, unprepared. Petrified prisoners, captivated, or whatever it is. I want to see God put his spiritual fingers on your life and begin to touch and shape and mold like the potter and the clay knowing that we are the workmanship of his hands and he's at work in us and he's doing his will he's making in us
something awesome, something magnificent. Look, Joshua came out of Egypt to go into the promised land. And, and, and we see that Israel, though they were set free from, from, from Egypt, they had carried some of the images and idols with them out of Egypt. And the Bible says that they worshipped them. They would connect with those idols, those gods of captivity. The thing is, it's not that, Jeremiah, it's not that they didn't know God. I mean, they saw God Almighty. They saw Him part the Red Sea. They saw God Almighty leading them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. They saw God. This is, this is Israel in their captivity. They saw God provide manna when there was nothing to eat, to bring water from a rock. They saw God do these things. They saw that their shoes were not wearing out. But even in the process of seeing and knowing what God can do, they still were attached to the images of the past. God help us. How many times are we captivated by what, our, what a parent said to us at some point in our life? You'll never amount to anything. You're stupid. You might as well give up. Teachers and coaches who have said things into lives and people out of ignorance and out of, out of anger saying things into lives which has caused a trajectory of failure and brokenness and anxiety and thinking I can't do anything in life. You can keep on holding to those idols but as for me and my house, goes my this is what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 14, and 15. He says, so, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever, so that word forever, forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and, and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, choose, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates in captivity? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's all in. God's looking for some all in people, right? Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, all your strength. There has to be that understanding that He has to be our all in all. He has to be the center of it all. It can't be my thing or your thing or their thing or His thing. It has to be God's thing. Amen? Four questions. I'm closing. Four questions. When do you feel the most fulfilled? 
How do you most often arrive at those moments? What are you willing to die for? Why do you feel that way? The answer to those questions will tell you who you're becoming. If there's no faith, if no relationship with God, then, then maybe your life is not complete. Maybe you feel like a mangled mess. Or maybe you even feel mangled by the enemy. But I need you to grasp a hold of this statement. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and earth and beneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. You may think you're an unfinished work, but one day, whether you like it or not, whether you choose it or not, we will bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords. I would rather bow now, knowing that I'm submitting to the Master who is shaping my life than to wait as an unfinished piece lining the hallways of a church or museum waiting on the master to do a work. Look, maybe you're that piece that God started working on 50 years ago. And you're still stuck. You're still petrified. Throughout history, you've let a chisel tap you here and there. You've let a few things help shape and mold, but you know you're not finished. You know that though the painting looks pretty decent, there's more to be done. The Lord's saying, I'm leading you from captivity to masterpiece. You've turned towards me. You've surrendered to me. Now let me finish my work. Let me finish the task. Let me make you to be the masterpiece that I want. Father, I thank you, God, that a children's song was made and said he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be it took him just a week to make the sun and the moon Jupiter and Mars oh I, I love how patient he must be because he's still working on me Lord today I'm not going to ask one individual to come because in all honesty, if we were truly wanting to be self-aware, every one of us in this room today would say, God, please lay the chisel on me again. God, please don't forget about me. God, please don't let me be lost in the corner. Lord, let, don't let me be unfinished. But God, just like those wise 
those wise ones waiting on you to come back. Lord, let our lamps be full of oil. God, let our lamps be trimmed. God, may we have the garments of praise, the garments that glorify you on, ready for when you make that last trumpet call. Lord, let us be a finished work. Let us be sincere, surrendered, submissive to your hand. Would you stand right now? Father, right now, God, I pray that every one of us will declare that we are your masterpiece. God, though we have heard other influences, though we have heard other voices, though we have even self-declared our own inabilities and lack, today, we declare by the grace of God, by the knowledge of who you are, for your word says to cast down every thought and even imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And so today, we declare this word over our life, that we are the workmanship of your hands, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And Lord, may we be ignited Lord, to fulfill the works that you have prepared for us in advance. Lord, may we allow you to do your plan in us. And Lord, if it means that I've got to do away with something, or you've got to do away with something in my life, God, I surrender all to you. All to you. It's all on the table. Everything that I am, everything that I'm supposed to be, God, it's on the table. And Lord, today I declare I'm all in. Do your work. Do your will. And do your best. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you just declare to somebody next to you, I'm a masterpiece. Come on, declare it. Say it like you mean it. I'm a masterpiece. I'm a rare gem. <laughs> I'm a masterpiece. I love you guys. I hope to see you guys. Know that we have a, a wonderful small group plan, our grow groups. If you have not signed up or would like to be a part of one, uh, come tonight. Enjoy. Start at 6 o'clock. We end at 7.30. Come and enjoy. Be a part of these wonderful plans. We have voted to put a new sign out. If you would like to participate in, in pledging or giving an offering towards that, uh, you can see Miss Kathy and she will give you a pledge card to be able to be part of that. Our goal is to raise 10000 and then we, will, then we will jump in. So help us with that project. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. You are a masterpiece. Amen.